Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys love Texas talking. This is Ross Ramsey here with a special edition polling tribcast on the fourth week of February. I'm joined by University of Texas. Texas Tribune pollsters Darren Shaw and Jim Henson uh, to tell us what the heck is in this poll. You know, we've sort of been bleeding it out over the week. I think we did eight stories or something. It's a great poll. It's got a lot of stuff in it. Um, and I guess the easiest way to start is kind of the way we rolled it out with um, President Trump. And, you know, this this to me looked like a political centrifuge. You put a bunch of Texans in it, you spin it really hard, all the red goes to one side and all the blue goes to the other. <laughs> I thought of that. It's a nice analogy, actually. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree that uh, it, it's gotten you know, the, the UT trip polls do pretty well nationally anyway. They do very well in, in terms of the state, but they get a decent amount of national coverage. They certainly did during the last election cycle. But uh, uh, this is one of the first major statewide polls since Trump has been inaugurated. And right. so you've had a few national polls, but you really hadn't seen anything from one of the states, one of the major states, certainly, um, talking about, you know, well, what are attitudes? How popular is he? How's this stuff playing out? And uh, I, I think that the results of the trip poll are actually illustrative and will probably, not only do they fit with the small set of data we have nationally, mm -hmm. in some ways I think they're kind of a leading indicator because Texas, you know, slants Republican. And so if the main storyline is Republicans, you know, faced with a choice between you know, kind of the resistance crowd mm -hmm. versus uh, a President Trump seem to be sorting, as you might expect in partisan terms, right, that they'd rather be associated with Trump and what he's doing there than they would be with, you know, the, 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 the counter-revolutionary. They're either admiring the president or they're in somebody's living room plotting. Well, I think <laughs> and even within the Republican Party, I mean, we saw it, and part of this was to be expected that your guy wins and you rally behind him, but he increased in a lot of the measures of like the fave unfaves and the job approval, yeah. the fave unfaves where we had the track, he increased 20 points. Right. So if yeah. there was any, I mean, one of the stories I think in the October poll was there was a little bit still of a hangover of the Cruz candidacy, I think. There were some Republicans that were withholding judgment, not a lot, but his, you know, Trump's approval numbers in October were 61, 27. They're now or I'm sorry, his approval numbers in January were among Republicans were 60-30. They're now 81-12. Yeah. Right. And it was about 80 percent of Democrats on the other side that were just, you know, um, middle fingers extended. Right. Yeah. I mean, what did uh, yeah, they didn't move at all? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what did Trump underachieve by giving a you know sort of standard Republican candidate in the fall? He underachieved by, you know, eight to ten points. Right. Really. Right. And, you know, I, I've Jim and I've had this conversation and Ross and I've had it to a, a certain extent. And there's, you know, there's something about Trump's appeal. You know, if, if this is a guy who appeals to blue collar you know, Reagan Republicans. Right. Uh, Reagan Democrats, I should say. Um, I think, can we just call them Reagan Republicans yeah, now? They're I mean, Republicans. That's really yeah, what they are now, right? They, they, they all have grandchildren. Now. Wish we could, <laughs> if one thing could come out of this, I wish we could just start calling them Reagan Republicans. And well, my students don't have any idea what I'm talking about when I anyway. say that anyway. So, but, but, you know, if, if it's these sort of blue-collar whites that, uh, right. you know, are, are a large part of the electorate and, and a decent part of the Republican electorate in Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, that's not a real big part of the Texas Republican constituency. Right. right? Uh, we're, we're much more dominated by, um, you know, these sort of businessman, entrepreneurial, low-tax Republicans that you see in the Metroplex and in Houston yeah. and some of the Metropoles. And then the uh, the more uh, social conservative Republicans that you see out in West Texas and, um, and in some of the hinterlands. Uh, 
those are the dominant wings of the Republican Party in Texas. Right. And, and so the, the particular appeal that, Repu- that, that Trump had eh, didn't play real, real well in Texas. And I think Jim's right that they, they were sort of biding their time. But when presented with a choice set of, you know, what's right. going on on MSNBC and the resistance versus, you know, here's a guy who's, you know, cracking down on immigration and foreign policy and, uh, you know, national yeah. security and that kind of stuff. And I think it's still soon, but I, I also think they're, they seem to be accepting him for who he is, too. I mean, if you, you know, we asked that temperament question both in October. Do you think yeah. he has a temperament to be president? Right. And it's not like the temperament rating also went up. It's not right. like they went, oh, he's my guy now, so I'll say his temperament that is That was better. actually interesting. Right. They think yeah. the same thing about his capabilities as they did yeah. in October. Yeah. Yeah. The it's honest and trustworthy went up a little bit, like yeah. five or six points, I think, among right. Republicans. This but is something we talk a lot about in political science, which is you know the, the notion of projection. He's my guy, therefore he has all these positive attributes. Well, that's a good yeah. that's a good swivel into right. this halo effect. Right. So let's talk about the halo um, on the economy, on certain Russians. <laughs> um, <laughs> One in particular. Right. Yeah, you want to take that. a lot of mileage out of that Putin question, didn't we? You we did. The, yeah. Putin yeah, Putin, numbers, Putin did pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have the Putin numbers. No. Well, the funny thing about that, I mean, in terms of in, inside, tell, tell, inside stuff. Were, I mean, in, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the numbers were. Let's see. Uh, Putin was. Putin was 28% we did, we, less we unpopular a, with Republicans. Right, than that's with that's the bottom line number. Right. We did basically a fave unfave, and overall it looked about like you would expect. It was 10 favorable, 62 unfavorable. But I think there was a little when we first looked at the top lines, and then 27% didn't know. Now, fair enough, a lot of people don't know who the president of Russia is, but he has been in the news a lot. But then when you drilled that down, as Ross says, the interesting thing was that. Democrats' disapproval number was 28 points higher than Republicans. And I guess the insidery little funny question about the poll is that we tweaked a bunch of things at the end. And Darren, I don't even know if you were on this conversation. I think Josh Blank, who's not here today, was supposed to be here. And right. congratulations, Josh. Hope, Asa, hope you're feeling better. Um, yeah, Josh Josh has a brand new kid and, a, and also one that's sick. Used and sick, I guess. <laughs> the used kid is right. sick, right? <laughs> so, but, you know... We were having a conversation at the very last minute, and we were making some adjustments. And I, and I had been wanting to ask the Putin question. I thought, you know, maybe we ought to just drop it. <laughs> and then we said, ah, let's just leave it on. It'll be okay. You know, it'll be maybe it'll be interesting. You could you could take it badly as provocative, but it was. I mean, it got an interesting result, right, and well, it actually it got mirrored in uh, was Ga- it Gallup. Yeah, yeah, Gallup came out with very similar numbers. It actually made. It actually made the Texas Republicans look more skeptic- skeptical yeah. because the national num- the approval number was a little higher. Well, this huh. is, I mean, as Russ is implying, I mean, this is the, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, friend of, uh, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, I find it ironic that there are at least some, rep- this isn't a huge thing, but yeah. I'm trying to make sure that I'm, sure that I'm, up, I'm doing a little algebra. It ended, up, right. it ended yeah. up working out, right? Yeah, it did, yeah, you came out okay. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, um, you know, it's not as if all these Republicans love Putin. But there's a differential, and right, you know right. that the, they're a little more open to this. And I, I think it's, you know, this gets to I think the larger point. You know, we were talking about that we don't have a lot of media instrumentation. You know, some, the, the, like we don't have much higher end. We don't have much media stuff given the sponsorship of this poll. No, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I think what's pretty clear is is that you know the the, the more than the New York Times. The more, you know, the, the mainstream news media sort of tell these Republicans how awful Trump is and, and there's this and that going on. I, I right. really think you see a pushback on the part of Republicans, which is, you know, oh, come on, the New York, you know, the New York Times is telling me this. How much do I buy this? And this has been a defining characteristic of Trump supporters 
throughout 2016 into 2017, which is they are not interested in what the mainstream media is telling them about their candidate and, right. or their, their president. Uh, other than to use it as a negative cue. Yeah, yeah. Right. But Jim, Jim's point is, is right, which is it's not like they're saying – they're not projecting and saying, oh, yeah, Trump, he's a wonderful temperament, uh, you know, real <laughs> right. knowledgeable. No, those numbers are pretty sticky. It, it, yeah. it, I think this is interesting, especially with respect to the Texas Republicans, that yeah. it's not that they're embracing him and now he's got all these fine attributes. I think what you're really measuring is the extent to which these Texans, Republicans in particular, think the system was broken. You know, right. the, the, the system was messed up. Yeah. And so the, you know, the, the, the cure is worth it, even if the cure causes all these side effects, you know. Yeah, so, and, so I, and I think the last thing on that Putin number to notice is that, you know, just to be fair, is that it's not as if Republicans decided, oh, Putin, he's great. <laughs> but it's a subtle effect. What it did is it moved Republicans into the don't know, neither approve nor disapprove category, which in a way is the yeah. signal they're getting from from Trump. I mean, it's it's mixed signals and it's a notion of, hey, look, we had to just we got to deal with him. So let's let's try. It's funny. You could just, read that into that. Yeah, it's just funny. I've never. The thought of Republicans being open-minded on Russian leadership is a new thing for me. So It's, it's a new thing for Texas, I will say. Um, so uh, I guess uh, Jim wins the drinking game. The first question is, how are the polls done? <laughs> we were making a bet before this started. So well, quickie on this. Uh, you know, we, we did this poll the same way we've done all the other ones. We, we increased the sample about three years ago to 1,200 to give us better quality. Right. Right. From 800 to 1,200, we use YouGov. They use an algorithm to sample out of their panel. And then, you know, like most polls, there's some weighting that happens. One, one thing that's great about the sampling, about the using YouGov and about that method is that we have lower weights coming out of the sample because we have better demographics on the, and pre-knowledge of the sample going in. You don't have and to spend the numbers as much as some other right. polls. And, we, and we've talked about this a lot. I mean, I don't know where you are on well, what the talking points are now. Yeah, you know, those of you who are interested can go online and take a look at the at the particulars of the methodology. But the right. quickie version is that, uh, you know, what, what YouGov does is they go out and they get as many people as they can to sort of bring them into their online panel, and then they draw a random sample from the entire population. And the individuals that they draw on the sample, they match to people, you right. know, in their, you know, I think it's right. two, 2 million people or however many. Um, and so the best matches are the ones that get sent the questionnaire. It's done online. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation about the extent to which polling is going to move totally online. Right. And, and people have talked about 10 years from now, five years from now. Um, but I, I think that's clearly where we're headed given some of the problems with cell phone coverage and right. the, the problems with more traditional polling. So. But, um, you, you know, so I, I'm, Jim and I have had good experience with YouGov, and, and the methodology actually looked pretty good in the last election cycle where you actually have a validation, right? They they put right. out a pre-election forecast, right. and then there's an actual vote, yeah. and YouGov did pretty well. And where they didn't do well, you would expect it. P- smaller samples right. from smaller states. Yeah, and, you know, we can acknowledge that, you know, in some corners, and I think these corners are getting more and more esoteric, it is like, you know, entering into a religious war when you start talking about Internet and phone polling. Right. That's getting less. Landlines and, only, cell phones only. I, I right. think that's getting less and less so right. all the time. And we're also seeing more mixed mode stuff, which I think you've done a little. I haven't really done yeah. much where people are mixing landlines, phones, and internet, and the Internet. It sounds yeah. feels a little like juju to me still. Yeah. But We're, we're trying to be as, as, you know, as a public entity, we're trying to be as transparent as possible. And. Um, and as open as we are in some of these things. I think the important thing for people out there is to know that when we say an internet poll, it's not a CNN.com poll, you know, where yeah, it's not or ESPN.com, you, you know. know. Right. Who should be in the Hall right. of Fame? Cats uh, or dogs? Yeah. Right. 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 And, th- and that goes to the, to the universal question of how can this poll be right? I've never been asked to be in a poll. Did we ask you? 
Nobody asked me. Ask been, we've been doing this seven, eight years, and no, not You know, you yeah. do a good job yeah, of this. Talk, yeah, right. talk a little bit about the math of that. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, what it, you know. Well, the, the analogy we always use is uh, there's two analogies. I like the soup analogy, which is you know you have a, a, a big vat of soup, and people will say, well, how do you figure out whether the soup is seasoned properly or tastes good? And the reality is if, if the soup is, you know, kind of mixed properly and it's you, you take a spoonful and you can judge is the temperature right or the spices right, right. you don't need to drain the vat of soup. You know, <laughs> right. you don't need to drink all of the soup. It's a small part. And as long as, you know, you're choosing a representative portion of the whole, you're doing fine. And so this gets to the question, how can you do 1,000 people and tell us that this represents 14 million Texas registered voters right. or something like that? And uh, the, the other analogy is the blood. Which is, yeah. I don't need to drain your body of blood. <laughs> <laughs> to do good work. I see why somebody came up with soup. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like blood, but people keep forcing me into the soup analogy. But it's the same deal. I get that much. Right. You know, as long as it's a representative sample, then I can do all of your blood work and, and right. make very good assessments about your underlying physiology and health. And right. And, and, you know, with, and in, a, in a state the size of Texas and really any reasonably sized state, Darren says, if you have 12, 14 million people that are your underlying population right. and you're drawing 800 or 1,400 you know, the odds of you getting called in any one poll, there could be a poll every day and you could live your life and not get called. Right. Huh. Interesting. So you may not be in the spoon ever. That's right. right. You may be at the bottom of the vat. Right. So so let's move on. I liked the, um, as you know, you guys probably knew I would, I liked the pot results. <laughs> we, we had a day where we did pot bathrooms and, you know, all, all manner of social things. Uh, pot's moving. And both yeah. of you had this, you know, in our conversations putting the stories together, both of you went immediately from pot to um, same-sex marriage yeah. Yeah. And, and how the numbers have moved. Could you talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I was, we weren't in the same room, but I mean, I think the analogy. Well, it was funny. It was different conversations. <laughs> but it was kind of, yeah, I mean, the model is, you know, what, what it did make me, th- you know, as we look at the, the curious things that the numbers of support for medical marijuana are going down. Right. And the numbers of support for essentially decriminalization options, either legalizing small amounts or large amounts of possession, uh, are going up. And it reminds me of gay marriage because I think it's a little too soon to tell, but I'm beginning to feel like medical marijuana is the civil unions of the marijuana debate. So when we first started asking about same-sex marriage, we said, would you, do you think this should ever happen? Do you think they should be civil unions without... Right. Uh, sanctification or something, right. and or do you think they should be out and out marriages? Right, and, and, and a lot of people parked in civil unions. You know, and I, and I think if you go, yeah, if you go and you Google, do a Google search for, you know, LGBT civil unions right now and limit it to the last year, you're going to get almost nothing. Right. If you go back and you do it for five years ago, you right. would get a lot. It's a safe harbor for some people's attitudes that don't want to go fully one way or the other, and as it disappears, people resort. In the gay marriage, you know, debate, what happens, many Democrats moved, I think, from, as I recall, from civil unions to gay marriage. Fewer Republicans moved towards gay marriage, but then moved out of civil unions and back. Yeah. Right. And I think we're just going to see some of that probably with, with marijuana. And, as, and the parking space here is medical marijuana. Well, and, and part of it, well, the, I think the parking place and, was yeah. mar- medical marijuana, but I think, and, you know, People do experience things in the world, and they, you, I think if you look out in the world and you see where medical marijuana has been legalized, right. and it's led to, in many ways, a kind of a de facto liberalization of possession, whether it was whether it's only medical that's legal or not, people are kind of having the experience of, well, if we're going to do that, we might as well just move a little further. I think, my, I think that's right. Yeah, my thinking, Ross, on this was, well, first of all, we should 
you know, let everybody the no, know the numbers. I mean, what we're talking about here is Jim, Jim and I tend to prefer questions where, you know, we kind of give gradations. Um, but but the, uh, the gradations, if you kind of aggregate them, make, you know, you can kind of sort them into a pose right. versus support. Right. And, and so in this case, we, we asked people, you know, which of the following is sort of closest to your opinion. So the, at, at the far end was possession of any amount of marijuana for any purpose should be legal. And we're getting 21% now in Texas who say, yeah, which is basically oh. like throw the yeah. book at him. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we're saying uh, the second option: possession of small amounts of marijuana should, for any purpose, should be legal. So if you if you combine those two, you're getting fifty three percent. Wow. Twenty one percent say you know, hey, pot's fine no matter what. Another thirty two say you know, small amounts for medical purpose. Cool. Only so when, my, when only when my doctor says so. Right. 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 So that's right. over half. Now again, you know, Jim pointed out this safe harbor notion that, you know, this is sort of a way to kind of maybe a, it's a gateway drug as we know so um but then you've got uh marijuana possession should be legal for medical purposes only 30 percent marijuana possession should not be legal under any circumstance 17 percent so only 17 percent are hardliners on and it. and two years ago in our poll it was 24 percent right so, right so right, that's that right. started to slide but, yeah. but my thinking on this topic was and the reason i made the analogy between gay marriage and marijuana is that this is an issue that republicans used to run on gay marriage Right, that, that right. if they could get defensive marriage acts on the statewide ballots, that that would draw you know hardcore conservatives to the right. ballot, and you know you they come for the gay marriage vote, uh, but then they stay and vote for the Republican. Big candidate. driver in the 2004 election and right, the 2000 right. election. This right. was a supposition that you know Republicans were trying to get these things on the ballot in right. 20, 2004 in order to drive turnout, and my thought is that in some ways marijuana strikes me as being the Democratic version uh, of that. Which is it's it's an issue that's very important to a particular constituency of Democrats. You come right. for the pot and then forget to vote for that's the Democrats. As we say, as we say, you uh, you vote hope, smoke dope. Um, you know, so um, I'm glad you said that because you told me not to use the quote. I'm, I'm going to trademark, I'm I'm trademark that. He wanted a bigger audience. For those of you who want, right, yeah, for those right. want a bumper sticker, that's got to have Shaw's trademark. You, you on thought it. you'd blow the line. Right. Right. Yeah, probably would have. Yeah. But at any rate, you know, the, the young people in particular, people under 30, uh, yeah. you know, they're not all that fired up about Republican yeah. or Democratic candidates, but they do tend to think, you know, this is an issue that motivates them. And so if the Democrats can get it on the ballot, you know, you come for the pot initiative and that's, you know, right. sort of an ancillary thing. It's like, oh, I'll vote for the Democrat. Right. Um, you know, so that, that, that was a connection oh, I was making. Oh, that's interesting. Between so, the notable, the so notable mark reasons, to me yeah. on the age chart was 65. And it's like, you know, the people who grew up with reefer madness yeah. are now 65 and up. Yeah. And the people who grew up, you know, with, you know, uh, dime bags floating around high school <laughs> are all 65 and below the baby boomers. And right. it's sort of, you know, in some ways it's normalized. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and, you know, you do have the not quite proximate but close experience of Colorado. Right. As we right. all know, half of Texans seem to have a, you know, summer home in Colorado. Yeah. Become um, very popular. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So for people that don't even ski. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that, you know, right. Texans are paying real close attention to the news or the stats coming out of Colorado or Oregon. But I, I think there is a sense that the fabric of society hasn't collapsed in those places. And right. So. so Steffi sends in a note, not a question. Texas Ledge needs some good chill out, bud. <laughs> so we'll just uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave that one there. Yeah. Um, you know, the bill that's getting a lot of attention as we go into the beginning of the session is this bathroom thing and the transgender persons and which bathrooms they should use. We repeated our question about... Do you think that people should go to the bathroom that matches their birth gender or their gender identity? Got about the same result. A slight majority 
Yeah. In favor of following birth certificate. Yeah, I guess it's the went up a third, little bit. Yeah. Third cycle we've asked it. It went from birth gender getting uh, 52, 51, and then the most recent poll, 54. So, so it's basically, of, there's no real difference. Kind of flat those. there. Yeah, exactly. And then on the other hand, and gender the, identity goes 29, 31, 31. So, you know, it's 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 basically sort of a five to three right. know, breakdown in favor of birth identity versus uh, self reported right. or self-referential gender identity. And then we sort of repeated a conversational question, you know, that you hear when you talk to legislators and yes. people in politics about this. Is this a big deal? Yeah. And <laughs> right. uh, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, that was one of the more interesting, I, I thought, results in the poll because right. it was in terms of just what's going on in the world right now. And I, I don't have the, the other result right in it's front a of you. It's 51% said it's either not very or not at all important. So right. a majority basically says not important. And then you do get 24% who said it's very important. Uh, there is a party split on that. Right. Um, but Republicans it, were more likely to say it was important. Yeah. and and But, you know, it, it's kind of like abortion. The, 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 there's a segment of people who say it's important, but they tend to break both ways, and so it ends up being kind of a wash. So there's a, a little there's a little bit of an asymmetry, but it actually, the, the percentage of partisans saying it's very important looks a lot like the percentage of partisans across the state. But it was interesting, because so, even among Republicans, though, it was pretty evenly split. It was 44, 44 important, 49 not important, and I think yeah, that, right. you know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to draw too direct a line between public opinion and what's going on in the legislature. There's a lot of internal process in the legislature that has is well, people I, that watch this know. There's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of members in the legislature who are, don't regard this as, you know, like a top five item. Um, yeah. It's getting a lot of attention. They all acknowledge that. They can all see that. A lot of conversation about it, but in terms of people clamoring for yeah. a particular result, um, not I, so much yet. I, I get the sense that you guys are closer to this than I am, I think, but that there's a little bit of feeling on the Republican side that this is the kind of issue that if, if you're not out in front of could get you primaried. Right. But but they don't know that, and and right. it, 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 any kind of information that comes in that says it's not a particularly high priority, I, I get the sense that it, it, it moves to the back burner, except it, you know, it... it they keep talking, I mean, well, yeah, I shouldn't I say I they. Some people keep talking about it, and you'd be frank, right. I mean, the Lieutenant Governor you know, keeps having, you know, has had a couple of press conferences about this. And I think he's made it a big priority. One of the things that's interesting politically about this, like when you look at this number, when you look at what the underlying kind of broad non-policy focused attitude, like what is your, what what are your beliefs about gender identity? Mm -hmm. That's relatively well-formed, but the policy stuff is not well-formed. There's too many cross currents, government intervention, what level of government, Right. You know, what is this real? Is this law and order? Is this privacy? And so that's been, you know, unstable. And so you get the sense that, yeah, we're not really this isn't right. People aren't thinking I really have a sharp opinion on this. So let's legislate on it. Right. I think that could actually break the lieutenant governor's way as long as they don't overplay it. Yeah. Right. So break in his direction. In right. other words, if you can say, hey, I tried this thing that a lot of his core constituents sort of agree with him on in the broad orientation. Right. But they don't think it's important as long as he's talked about it a lot. If they don't get a bill, or they don't get a law passed, there may not be that much of a penalty. It's just a matter of knowing when to quit, I think, and right. knowing that people are going to start punishing you for lost opportunities in other directions or, you know, the thought that you're clogging the system, you should be doing something I think is more important. Okay. We've just got a couple more minutes. Let's talk about um, the Affordable Care Act. I, I thought these answers were interesting. Um, yeah. The You know, we, we asked them, do you want to repeal this or not, and then ask those two groups questions. And, and to me, the you know, 
the really interesting result here was that 30% of the people, only 30% of the people who said repeal it, said repeal it and walk away. And the rest of them said repeal it but replace it. And um, majorities of the whole set said before you repeal it, let's see the replacement. Yeah. And right. I think, you know, again, not one, you don't, you don't want to draw too, too direct a line between what public opinion looks like necessarily and what's right. going on. But that certainly seems consistent with some of the, the overall attitude in, in Congress right now. I think the Democrats have won this debate in some yeah. ways. Really? Right? Framing it, uh, I mean, this particular part. It's not that people are now excited about the Affordable Care Act, but I think what they've won is this notion that, you know, you can't just junk this without having thought out a replacement, you know, and, and having that in place before you junk it. So the idea that we're going to have a national health care plan is, gonna, is, is set? I think that's probably true. I mean, I, what I don't think you can do is is say, no, we got, we'll got We'll repeal it first because that was our primary promise. In other words, right. the, the notion of separability, mm -hmm. yeah. I think, is gone. I, I think that the Democrats have basically kind of boxed the Republicans in rhetorically on this. Um, and, and Republicans have, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what an appropriate response would be, but they have not had an effective response. I mean, right. I don't know. If they wanted to buy themselves some time and actually repeal it and then think a little bit about the I don't think that's politically possible anymore. Right. And this was certainly presaged in Texas in polling that we did a few years ago. And I, you guys must have done this on the Fox poll, I think, where you basically ask people about the components and, you know, they really hated the mandate. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the other stuff, you know, they really, lot people liked. There was bipartisan support for it. Yeah. And the reality of, you know, waving your fist at Obamacare is different than going, oh, like my 24-year-old, I'm going to have to go buy them insurance. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, in some ways, I mean, there's a response to this. I mean, the right. Republicans could have easily said, you know, well, let's see, you know, it took you, you know, 16 months and, you know, all these sorts of side deals and stuff to get this thing going, and then you botched the rollout, and, and, right. yet, and yet we're supposed to have an alternative you know, kind of ready to go two weeks into yeah, you know, except the that their candidate said he was doing it the first. Well, that's day. right, but they didn't. <laughs> right. They didn't do that. Yeah. They, they didn't put themselves in a position. They didn't set themselves up to actually legislate here, right. and they they kind of left that turf open. And the Democrats have set the terms of the argument now, and I think the public, the public and has really the, accepted that, which is yeah, yeah, you ought to have a replacement before you actually go ahead and, and do that. So I, I I do think that's kind of where are we at. That yeah, where that's what they're going to have to do now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we've blown most of our time, but before I'll, I'll throw one thing out and just say um, favorite thing we haven't talked about. Ooh, um, I'll go to my my main man John Cornyn, <laughs> who can't seem to buy a break. <laughs> to, yeah, the, explain this. This is interesting. <laughs> this is a small thing, and I'm sure not many people care about it. But we we monitor, of course, <laughs> which is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, we monitor, of course, attitudes towards all these candidates right. and office holders in the state of Texas, and, and Greg Abbott's numbers have gone up a little bit. Republicans across the board have gone up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, mostly in party terms, but uh, but but John Cornyn tends to lag behind certainly Greg Abbott and others in terms of his favorability and and with particular groups, for instance Hispanics. And Senator Cornyn has really made an effort to reach out to Hispanics and and to try to kind of broaden his coalition. And uh, he just seems to have trouble uh, breaking through. It's not that he's unpopular; his numbers are good, but um, I'm, I'm but he I'm, lags behind his he colleagues. does he lags behind some of the more high visibility colleagues, in, in, including Ted Cruz in some important ways and and. It's, it's interesting just given his approach. Well, you know, he's the second ranking, ranking member in the United States Senate. Yeah. He's the most powerful 
Texas senator probably since Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. Right. yeah, so he's the crown prince of the swamp. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> what was your favorite? What stuck out? Uh, you know, I, I follow the legislature so much, so two things, one of which has gotten a lot of coverage, but, you know, the voucher questions, we asked two different ones, one with vouchers right. in it, in a slightly different context, but then one, the underlying policy that found um, not a lot of, you know, support for redirecting public public funds to parents to pay for Public or for private or parochial you said schools, use state funds for right, and that and I think that, that was interesting. I think we've yeah. talked about different ways of answering asking that question a lot over right. the life of the poll. Right. You can't and say I think, charter, and I think yeah, we can, voucher rather. You can't say voucher. It's although, the, just, although, the, although the interesting thing though is that when you say voucher, yeah, I mean this, without getting all into it, we'll probably write about it. Right, it really. Un, it's kind of laid out some of the dynamics of that. The other thing is the rainy day fund, which is really out in the weeds and not sexy to most people. But if you're following the legislature and you're looking at the budget fight right now, I think some of the ambiguity and attitudes towards the rainy day fund, particularly among Republicans, suggests that, you know, after we go through all the requisite posturing, mm-hmm. there's an argument for saying if you play it correctly – you can probably not be overly punished for going into the rainy day fund a little bit. Yeah, the only group that a majority, the only ideological group that had a majority against using the rainy day fund was Tea Party Republicans. Right, and the Tea Party, and the number of Tea Party Republicans, the people that really explicitly identify, has stabilized at a at a relative at a lower level. I mean, it's right, it fifteen prob- or sixteen percent. Yeah, yeah probably right. peaked at twenty seven, twenty eight in our poll, right. and now you know it's down to fifteen or sixteen. Half of that's eight percent. You know, you're talking about a pretty small fraction. You know, you're talking then 15, 20 percent at most of the Republican Party. You know, I think there's the raw material for a deal if you make the case. Okay. Um, That's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. You can sign up for tribcast alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music on behalf of Darren, Jim, And our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Ross. Thanks for listening. Give me your. That's not true. Yeah.